listening to Gaywire on CJSR, your homegrown source for lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, and queer news, culture, stories, and events from Edmonton and beyond. Hey. Hey. <laughs> uh, you're listening to a pre-recorded show of Gaywire. That's right. If uh, you're listening to this right now, know that we're not in the studio. Yeah. So don't phone in with your comments. <laughs> There's nobody here to take your call. But you can tweet at us because we have Twitter now. You can look up sure. Gaywire. We also have podcasts and uh, it should be said that we, I posted the, uh, our interview from the folks who protested at this year's Pride. So that full interview is up for anyone who missed it. Uh, it was a really great conversation. Yeah. yeah. If you're listening to this on podcast, then it doesn't matter. Yeah, just scroll you, down. You can never phone us during the podcast. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so we've been off for two weeks, which means we have to catch up on a whole bunch of So stuff. much happened. Yeah. What do you got? Oh, you want to... We have sports first. Let's start with sports. <laughs> this is uh, the sports show. So I got us... This is all over the place on the internet. I just pulled up a... Story from Time Magazine, MLB, which is what Major League Baseball. Yeah, there yep. we go. <laughs> Tune in for all your sports yeah. information, like what MLB stands for. Uh, baseball pitcher apologizes after racist and homophobic tweets surfaced during an All-Star game. So I'm not going to read the whole story, but uh, if you haven't heard, Josh Hader, who's 24, was pitching at a baseball game in the United States. And who's he? I don't know. He's with the Milwaukee Brewers. Mm-hmm. I don't know who they were playing. Does it matter? Well, it was during the All Star game. Oh, so it, these tweets started surfacing while the game. Oh, was he happening. wasn't even playing. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like a it's an All Stars team, so they're not even all from the same team. No, we're learning so. about sports today. <laughs> sports one hundred and one. Yeah, I don't know anything about baseball. Who knows about baseball? <laughs> Well, Josh Hader knows about baseball because apparently he's a good pitcher. But while he was pitching, uh, some tweets that he had sent, uh, what is this? He was 17, he's 24 now, so that's seven years ago. So mm-hmm. seven-year-old seven tweets uh, surfaced on the internet and people were texting around. And you could even see, there's a really cool clip of some baseball players at the game clearly reading his tweets on their phones. Oh, I they're, didn't see that. Yeah, wow. they're, they're reading his tweets on their phones and uh, laughing and shaking their heads. Wow. So this happened during the game. Uh, the tweets were you know, your generic, xenophobic, racist, sexist, uh, and homophobic. Did I say that one? Well, all of them. He, yeah, he covered all of his bases. Yep. That's a sports pun. <laughs> That's a baseball pun. Oh man, go. I get yeah. points. That was totally planned. That was intentional. Yeah. He uh, covered his bases with his tweets. I uh, don't have a list of them here, but if uh, I'm sure if you want to know yeah, what they were, you can go look him up. It's just stupid. I mean, it's so, stupid stuff. He uses like the N word three or four times. He yeah. talks about what he wants to do to women. He I said, didn't see any of the homophobic Yeah, ones, he so. said, I hate gays. Oh, there you go. That's pretty that, That's pretty clear. <laughs> it, that's not ambiguous. No. About, like, oh, maybe he's just joking, or maybe it's like, you know, he's quoting mm-hmm. something. Like, I hate gays is really clear. Yeah. That was one of the worst. I mean, well, some of the other bad ones were KKK, yeah. White Power, and 
I met when I first heard about this, and I heard that he was 17. My first instinct was actually like, okay, like he's a teenager. Okay, maybe he just said like some stupid jokes. Because I certainly made stupid jokes when I was 17, but I didn't say KKK and white power. Like, yeah. You don't have to be. You don't have to be an adult to know that you don't tweet KKK and white power and I hate gays. That's kind of. Yeah, and he was saying, like, he's just a whole bunch of, like, stuff about what he wanted to do to women. There's a, there's a line. He, he wasn't just making childhood, childish jokes. He crossed the line, and so, you know, if you're, yeah, I think he should face repercussions for that, because he's, that, I mean, it speaks to your character. Who says that? Other than, I mean, he must have been raised to think that. Like, what influence does his family have? Yeah. But a 17-year-old is, like, doing white power and KKK and... Yeah, that's not something that you'd normally joke about. That's, like, a statement of your beliefs. I like that one of his uses of the N-word, he blamed it on rap lyrics. But when when he was first asked about it, so when he came out of the game, instead of the media being like, hey, what was it like pitching in an all-star game? Mm -hmm. And because he did very well, apparently. Uh, All the reporters' questions were like, so, like, you said all this awful stuff. And he he, he half apologized. He apologized, sort of. You know, obviously he had had time with some kind of publicist or somebody who gave him ideas of things to say. And in his rambling explanation, he said, you know, I think some of them were rap lyrics. Yeah. So I like that he has managed to still find a way to, like, blame black people for that. Oh, no, yeah, totally, that he was, like, if he was saying he's, like, emulating what they say, but then yeah. he says KKK and white supremacy, so at yeah, the same I'm time, he, pretty like, sure that's not rap lyrics. Um, but, yeah, take ownership. If you're going to say that, don't try to blame somebody else. Yeah. Let's say that you're quoting someone. I mean, if you're quoting someone, then at least it should be done in a context. Well, yeah, you should put quotation marks and cite it. As yeah. we both know, you need proper type cites and text citations. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Or you'll get blamed for plagiarism, and then or, you just have to take responsibility. So let's just all go around saying homophobic or inappropriate things, and then just say like, "I'm just, I'm just quoting Trump." Yeah, exactly. Yeah. that's the yeah, that's the issue. Just quoting Trump. Just and his Twitter, no less. Yeah. Um. So he apologized, right? And yeah. then after the All Star Weekend, he goes back to his home field in Milwaukee, where his fans give him a standing ovation. Ew. Apparently, like supposedly <laughs> for his apology. But well, how do you know? Exactly. Other people are saying, like, he's getting this ovation because... Because he stood yeah. up to the uh, outraged women, minorities, and gays, and he persevered, and now he's a stronger person because of yeah. it. Where's Milwaukee? It's by Chicago. Okay, I don't know. <laughs> I only know that from Wayne's World. But anyway, um, so he gets a standing ovation... So people are making the comparison that like you have a white dude who says all these horrible things. He comes back to his home stadium and he gets a standing ovation. Mm-hmm. And then you have football players who are black and who are kneeling <laughs> in protest of police mm-hmm. brutality. And the NFL says, uh, if you kneel anymore, we're going to charge the yeah. owners or the managers or whoever with kneeling. And you have a president who says, don't yeah. kneel. So I can get a standing ovation if I... If I send some bad tweets out and then apologize? Yeah, if you're a star pitcher who's white. Oh, okay. Yeah, and straight. Oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah. All right, so no standing ovation. I'm still going to try. 
I just have to get my baseball pitch down. Yeah, there you go. Your baseball pitch. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't touched a baseball in like decades. But all right. Oh man, that reminds me. So I started uh, the Edmonton Sports Whatever League started a gay softball slow pitch. Sure, you talk about that. And they're <laughs> playing. I'm, I'm not on the team. No, but it's it's like there are four teams. So now we've played each team once. Uh, so we really got a handle on the league and what's going on. We've lost every game, but we're Wait, they're all there's five teams? There's there are four teams. There's four teams and they're all queer? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so we yeah, so uh, it's what? been really fun. There's the well we got named by the league. Oh, I was thinking we're the unicorns. So unicorns okay. What yeah. are the other what are the queer teams called? Um there's the basic pitches. That's funny. Like Is that is that a play on another word? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That we can't say right now. Uh, then there's like the dragons, and then there's another team that I oh the phoenixes. So they were just named by eh. by the league, but I feel like we really lucked out in terms of the gayness with the unicorns. That, that's a good one. You guys yeah. have to represent. Now you do better. The unicorns have to we, win now. We made T-shirts. That I think you were the rainbow unicorn. Yeah, on but you them. have to win some games now. That's true. We're getting our groove. We're getting into it. We're figuring it out. Uh, but it's really fun, like because like it's you know it's not. Like, there are good teams, and they're mm -hmm. competitive, but it's, like, not, like... For example, two weeks ago, the other team was cheering for us. Because we were losing, but they were so nice that they were cheering for us. <laughs> Pity cheers. Yeah, that's... Exactly. But that's what, like, gay sports can bring to you, is that we're all, like... Yeah. Supportive of each other. Good. Maybe they'll yeah. throw you... Throw some games that you can get your... Up in the well, right. I hope. We really, we really brought it together, only lost by two last game, so next week, watch out. And you can follow it online if you want to become a fan of the Gay Slow Pitch League and come to some games. How do I follow this online? Tell, 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 me, <laughs> tell the listeners at home. Let me see. Uh, you can go to the Edmonton Sports, what is it called? Edmonton Sport and Social Club, and I think the schedule might be available online for people to check out. All right. And be unicorn fans. Yeah. Or Every yeah. Monday night. Every Monday night. And when you guys get eliminated, who do we cheer for? <laughs> I don't think we'll get eliminated because there are four teams. So to make any kind of final tournament, the four of us have to participate. So we'll get fourth place, which is commendable. Yeah. It's just one below a medal standing. So we're good. Good. So that's the full sports report. That was two sports items this yeah. week. Both, Both baseball. baseball. There you go. Um... Yeah, so we haven't, we started talking, like when we were talking two weeks ago, the Scarlett Johansson oh, yeah. playing a trans character thing had just broken. Yeah. She released this horrible press statement, or her publicist did. Yeah, he's probably been fired. Yeah, I would, I would think so. And what she said was like, um, if you think, so the story is that she had accepted a role um, to portray uh, Dante Tex Gill, who was a trans man who ran a prostitution ring out of massage parlor parlors he owned in the 70s. Uh, and so she was scheduled to play this role as a trans man. Um, and almost immediately the trans community was like, this is unacceptable, like this is unethical, and for a whole bunch of reasons we'll get into. But she released a statement at that time saying, mm -hmm. um, if you're questioning what I'm doing, ask Jeff, or ask Jeffrey Tambor, Jared Leto, and Felicity Huffman's reps for comment, meaning those three people had all played trans Did people. she say it in the first person? Did um, she say, if you're questioning what I'm doing? 
Um, no, I don't. Th I don't think yeah. she released it. Well, it's like her publicist. Oh, her publicist released it. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm yeah. sure that person was fired because there's no way. Something so dismissive and horrible. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, you would hope. I don't know. So we well, hope. Yeah. Uh, so all three of those people, Jeffrey Tambor, Jared Leto, and Felicity Huffman, have played trans characters, and they're all cis people. Uh, so and they all won awards. And they all won awards for it, which is a huge thing too, right? Is that um, you have like cisgender people playing yeah. trans roles and like winning for doing something mm -hmm. so daring and cutting edge and taking such a career risk. So then there was like huge um, protests from the trans community mm -hmm. uh, once that statement was released. And there were like a whole bunch of uh, creative things that they were doing. Um, they made like movie posters of like Gandhi and Malcolm X and put Scarlett Johansson's <laughs> face in it saying like, Scarlett Johansson is Malcolm X or whatever. Yeah. Um, they did like movie trailers where she was like inserted into a bunch of historical movies and stuff like that. Cool. So that was really good. Uh, I saw a video that yeah. was put out and it was a, video, a parody video of actual trans actors mm. auditioning for Scarlett Johansson roles. Right, yeah. And then at the end when one of the actors is told uh, you know, oh, you got the role. Um, they say, oh, "Wait, is this a is a cis character? I I shouldn't, I shouldn't take this uh, their voice away from them. I shouldn't take this role that belongs. You know, should go to somebody in that, from that community who can understand it." Mm. So, you know, pretty pointed. It, it's a funny video too. Yeah. Um, no, and it seems like, and with that, that was a lot of the arguments that they were bringing up is that like trans people never get to play cis roles right mm -hmm. and you see this throughout history like you know there are a lot of white actors including scarlett johansson who played the role that in this in like a graphic novel in the original story uh was an asian character and in the movie adaptation she played she played the character and so yeah. she's a white person sort of taking that role but there's like you know white people play asian people indigenous people black people all the time or they have yeah. historically. historically, but it never goes the other way, right? Yes. Because we assume that how could a person of color possibly play a white person, right? Which is yes. a whole bunch of like history of ways of thinking about whiteness. And around race, it was getting better. Mm. I think we had realized that that was inappropriate, and that was going that was rapidly getting phased out. But with trans characters, there's still no realization around that. It's yeah. It's. It's surprising that, you know, there's a lot of discussion around, like, we shouldn't have uh, people playing uh, racial minority roles, but we're still fine with, uh, I mean, Jeffrey Tambor is still on TV playing uh, trans character, although, I mean, and I hate to applaud something Jeffrey Tambor does, because he's got a pretty bad reputation now, yeah. but he did say... Uh, I think in his M last Emmy acceptance speech that, you know, he hopes that he's the last person, last cisgender person to play a trans mm. uh, character and that we need to start uh, taking trans performers seriously and giving them roles. Yeah, uh, I didn't know that. I mean, that's... But, I mean, it's, it's, at the same time, it's easy to say, like, I hope in the last one, too. Yeah, it's, very, it's a very privileged position to be like, yeah. don't take my job away. I took it away from other people, but, but in the last but one. But it ends with me. Yeah, it yeah. ends with me. <laughs> yeah. um, but he, it, it also should be said that, like, he, one of the reasons the, the show stopped and he uh, got fired from it was because he was accused of assaulting and harassing trans women on set, mm. uh, who are both actresses and people helping with the show. But anyway, um, a point that, like, uh, Laverne Cox made in an interview about all of this too is that 
like a lot of people are like, well, if you're, you know, if you're an actor, shouldn't you be able to play anything? Like, isn't that the point of acting? And I think at this point, sure, someday that might be great. But what Laverne Cox was saying is that like, when you have cisgender people playing trans people, it feeds into the notion that trans people mm -hmm. themselves are acting. Yeah. Right. So it like is it's a character that you play. It's a performance. Mm -hmm. You like watch the transition. You watch the cisgender person like try to assume what it's like to be trans and and sort of it just makes it look like yeah. they're putting on a costume and they're acting yeah which feeds into a whole bunch of transphobia and violence mm -hmm. so that's what laverne cox uh was yeah, saying in point. an interview and the other part of it too like that video says is that uh, you know you say oh uh, actors can play anybody but yet when's the last time a trans uh performer got to play was they even considered for a cisgender role? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it would be if they Never. were. Never. Yeah. That I can think of. I mean. Like, if you can even name, like, the trans actors I know. Laverne Cox plays trans or queer characters, but you never see, like, Laverne Cox as a, as a heterosexual cisgender female lead. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That I can think of. No, and that's that's what a lot of them are saying too. Is that like they are not even, like they're not even considered no. for those positions, right? Like it's inconceivable. No, because because they, they, they think the, uh, Hollywood thinks the audience can't can't imagine or believe a, a trans person playing a cisgender character. Well, I mean, it goes honestly it goes back to uh, I hate to invoke Trump again, but Trump's whole thing about trans people in the military being a distraction. Mm, yeah, yeah. It's, suddenly, it's BS. Well, no, that's the thing too, right? Like where I think a lot of the anger is coming from is like when a trans person plays a cis person, it's seen as a distraction. When a cis person plays a trans person, it's seen as like triumphant and such a heroic, and, like, heroic that they should be rewarded. How brave for. you were! Yeah. How brave you were to play a trans person. Yeah. <laughs> and accept all these awards. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So okay. So that's what happened. Mm -hmm. But there's, there's an update. We didn't say she quit. She did quit. Oh, yeah, we didn't say that. We, didn't the, we buried the lead. The, the good quit. news is Scarlett Johansson saw the light, yeah. fired her publicist, probably, and, uh, and, said, and issued a statement. Do you have the statement there? Um, she said, while I would have loved the opportunity to bring Dante's story and transition to life, I understand why many feel he should be, be portrayed by a transgender person. And I'm thankful that this casting debate, albeit controversial, has sparked a larger conversation about diversity and representation in film. That's not good either. <laughs> taking credit for... Yeah, uh, she's taking credit for I'm, sparking a debate. I'm about, glad that my bad decision has uh, facilitated a debate that could have happened without me, but... And that has. That trans people have, for, for yes. many years, been like, stop playing us in movies. So this debate yeah. has been occurring. It's just she didn't know about it. Yes. Yes. But at least we had it. It was high profile enough that maybe this is it. Yeah. I mean, like Maybe this is it. Yeah. The next cisgender person who tries to play a trans character, <laughs> they're just going to get... Yeah. They're going to get... What's well, going to I can't say the... Yeah. They're going to get the same backlash if not more more because they're now like yeah it's been it's been years of now talking about this, you'll but. be compared to Scarlett Johansson it'll be like well Scarlett Johansson had a sense to step back mm -hmm. well I mean that's like it does show also like the power of that kind of protest right that the community mm -hmm. was like 
uh, yeah, very well organized. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the videos they made, the amount of, like, it was, it was yeah. creative protest. Well, they're, yeah. they're actors and actresses. They're professionals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, good. Yeah. So that's a happy ending. So, but <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, I have another, where are we going? So there's another story. This is still our pop culture opener, even though we're like halfway through the show now. Oh do my we, goodness. Do we, break, do we break for music in these uh, pre-recorded things? No. No? <laughs> there will be no music this hour. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just going to be... Well, no, I can do like... Get out your Tegan and Sarah CD afterwards. Yeah, you can play your own soundtrack after you listen to us. Here are the things we would have played. Connie <laughs> DeFranco, Tegan and Sarah. Yeah, Vic Shreya. There you go. Yeah. Um, so uh, there is uh, a woman who from Oklahoma, and apparently she's gone viral, which I feel like is an old way of talking about things. We don't say that anymore. But sure we do. Really? Um, she said she would be a substitute mom for anyone whose mom won't attend their same-sex wedding. Aww. <laughs> Uh, so, if you're interested, her name is Sarah Cunningham. She's an ordained minister and works in an architecture firm, just so you know. Uh, and she posted on Facebook uh, saying, quote, If you need a mom to attend your same-sex wedding because your biological mom won't, call me. I'm there. I'll be your biggest fan, and I'll bring the bubbles. So, she basically, she wants invites to weddings. Yeah, maybe that's it. Hey? <laughs> the cynical part, you were, for a moment, you were touched. I was, I was like touching, but yeah. most queer people, I'm assuming, who have a... Who, don't have a parent who will come to their wedding, probably have a parental, I would hope, have a parental figure in their lives that they could still ask. Yeah. But, or you have, like, a chosen community where you're like, okay, yeah. that's just not going to be part of my wedding. Like, we're sure. not going to have a mother figure or father figure. No, but I have, yeah. I have friends. But still, yeah. if, if, if having a mother at your wedding is important to you and she can't attend, there's a... Is she a payer? Is she a mother for hire? It doesn't sound like it um what will she yeah. do will she be in the pictures and will she like <laughs> will she cry uh, i hope so that maybe she should be paid because will you could she, have like a, a varied scale of the services you ask for will she argue with the other mother yes exactly and will she like insist that things are done a certain will way will she be like these flowers are oh you wouldn't show up at a gay wedding and start coming on the flowers yeah that's true yeah unless i don't know she's going to a lesbian wedding <laughs> Because you can comment on the tuxes and so on. Which one yeah. of you is wearing the tie? You have to figure this out. Both of you. That doesn't make sense. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> maybe will she, will she play a confused mother? Oh yeah. Yeah. You could maybe if there was a sliding scale, you could ask for that. You're like, I want it to be an authentic experience. I want my mother to attend, even though she doesn't approve of this. So can you play that up? Will, will she? Will she? Real. Will she do the I object? When, <laughs> right when when there's the, like the call for uh, any you know if anybody has objections, please yeah. speak now or forever hold your peace. Yeah. Will she do the I object and like come running down the aisle? Yeah. With a cross. Well, yeah, <laughs> I guess, she, or for any other reason. That's true. Maybe she doesn't approve of your your chosen partner. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it could be just because she doesn't like your partner, not because they happen to be gay. Yeah. Um, Legitimate so, reasons. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's what she's offering. I also don't know how the flights and accommodation would work. Oh, this I'm really sure you seems pay like for an it. empty promise. You pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> 
She's not going to pay out of her pocket to go to these weddings. That's true. She's getting free trips. Yeah. Hey, I, I wish I had had that idea and been a parental figure. Well, maybe in a couple of years you could offer to yeah. be like the dad of weddings. The dad of weddings, mm-hmm. yeah. Or like the drunk Thank uncle. Thank you. A couple or... of years. I think I have a few years until I approach that <laughs> phase of life. Thank you. Uh, so there you go. Uh, you can look her up. See see if she fits your wedding budget. Yeah. And uh, we'll go from there. Um, I know every week we say, like, I hope there's no updates about Toronto. There is, I guess, what is it when, like, it's good news, but it's still bad news? Exactly that. It's just like... I mean, there's the good news. So last time we talked about the police had found uh, human remains uh, in the ravine behind the property where they'd find the other bodies, uh, all from the serial killer who lived there and was targeting uh, marginalized uh, gay men. Uh, so they have identified the eighth, the, the body is the eighth murder victim. So, so the unfortunate good news is that they've now found eight, all eight victims' bodies and that there's, this body they found is the ninth victim. Right. So, so it's, it's been at eight for a while and um, I'm hoping that that's it. Yeah. Um. No, and it, and it did say, like, for the family of the victim, that that obviously yes. answers questions, and mm-hmm. even though they're really hard, horrible questions. Um, but, yeah, like you said, it's it's a resolution, but it's, like, it, it, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, the trial won't be anytime soon. No. This is going to go for a long time. So, oh, we'll stay in Toronto because oh. this is something that was occurring while we were on break and uh, I couldn't help myself. Like, it was just too ridiculous. As I'm sure you've heard, um, Doug Ford, during one of, his many camp- one of his many campaign promises was to get rid of the new sex ed curriculum in Ontario. And he was being very black and white about it, too. He was just saying he would scrap the whole thing, didn't he? Right. Like, he right. wasn't saying, like, let's review it or let's keep parts of it. It was like, I'm going to come in and I'm going to throw the whole thing out. Yeah, put it in the shredder, which P.S. Jason Kenney has also said he's going to do. In Alberta, we're developing, uh, or they're developing a new sex ed curriculum as well, and Jason Kenney has promised to scrap whatever they do. So just keep that in mind, maybe, as we continue this story. And Doug Ford, I mean, when he said he's scrapping, people were saying that means like going back to 1998, which is the mm-hmm. last time that... The curriculum was updated. Yeah, exactly. So, um, like, in the subsequent days, there's been a lot of confusion because what happened is he said, we're going to scrap it, and people were like, "If you, as you said, if you do that, that means you have to go back to the 1998 version. Which is pre-internet. Pre-internet. So like, nothing well, the internet existed, but not the way it does y- now. Yeah, well, no smartphones. So, not, yeah. so nothing about, like, sexting, if people still do that, but, like, sharing pictures online, yeah. which is a very big problem. Nothing about consent. Consent yeah. wasn't in the old curriculum. There was. It was not mentioned once. The word. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think there was anything uh, LGBT specific. No. Other than that, they exist. I don't even know if they mention it that they exist. That they exist. Probably not. Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. Ninety-eight. So, 
Uh, and nothing about like cyberbullying, any of that stuff, right? Right. So They're all uh, big, big issues. I mean, twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. And like, so the curriculum was developed and put in place in a, around twenty fifteen. So it's been in place for about two or three years now. And that's when the world ended, right? Yeah, exactly. That's when <laughs> those students who had two years of 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 that new sex ed program are those, just heathens. They've all been destroyed. They've all, well, they all became lesbians That's and true. gay. <laughs> all of them. Um, so there was, there was like, you know, understandably backlash against this with people saying like, and also teachers saying, this is, we're talking like the beginning of July. We have to teach students in September. <laughs> How are we going to completely change our curriculum back to something from 20 years ago in two months, right? So there was that confusion. Lazy teachers. Right. So I'm they're just like, joking. I'm on summer break. I'm just joking, beloved yeah. teachers. Yeah. <laughs> they're probably, now that teachers are spending their summer trying to figure out what like, they're teaching. Like reading the sex ed curriculum from 1998. There's also oh. like a lot. <laughs> There's also. Where would they find it? Well, maybe they have to like go there, like they no were pro- PDFs. Yeah, they were probably recalled in 2015 when they put in the new one. Yeah, and now they have to go back into some storage warehouse and and, Xerox and gather them and mark them somewhere. I'm just saying mark them because it sounds like that's where warehouses are, but I'm not even <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> Sorry, what were you going to say? Yeah. <laughs> um, so there was that confusion. Then there were teachers saying um, that you know when they become teachers, they they sort of as part of their professional job say that they will teach to their best of the ability using the most up-to-date information and answering students questions and being truthful and not sort of um, hiding information or all those sorts of things yeah. people know that teachers are supposed to do so there's teachers who are like well I'm gonna go by my like quote oath and I'm gonna teach those things anyway because students are smart and they know what they want to know like students well, know that students want to talk about sexting and sharing pictures and cyberbullying and gay community and queer stuff you know the students who are a year ahead of them will have known it yeah so they can so it's like okay sorry Alexa your older brother can you know knows about this but but according for your education yeah you know Nokia flip flones can't send pictures, so we don't need to tell you about that. No, it's true. Maybe there, that'd be amazing if there was a, a Nokia flip phone on in the textbook. Yeah. Yeah. We're like, careful texting something. Um, they can't see you because pictures can't be sent yet, but maybe in the future. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so what are the, what's the government doing then, knowing that this... Promise is unkeepable. Well, so as of Tuesday uh, of this week, uh, they were in question period, and Doug Ford, when asked directly what would be in the curriculum for this fall, uh, didn't say. He didn't say what would be taught. He has no idea. He's never read the curriculum. No, probably not. Uh, NDP leader Andrea Horvath uh, pressed him about ensuring that key elements of the 2015 update are retained, even through the old curriculum. Um, which predates, of course, as we've said, same-sex marriage and social media. Horvath asked, will the Premier confirm that all information about consent, cyberbullying, gender identity from the updated health curriculum be taught in Ontario classrooms in September? Ford's response seemed at odds with the recent signals from the newly elected progressive government, um, in which he said, quote, we believe in consulting with parents. Once we do the largest consultation in Ontario history, then we'll be able to answer your question. Uh, so the largest consultation in Ontario history. Yeah. On a sex ed curriculum. Yes. 
So he's, but are you going to do that consultation in the next two months? Like, no. Right. You, so you can't do he's the, still not answering the question. Of a what small we consultation can't be done in two months. The largest consultation in Ontario history is going to take multiple years. Yeah. But I mean, it also goes to like, so you're like, which it should be said when the Ontario government redid the sex ed curriculum in 2015, mm -hmm. um, they did huge amounts of consultations with different parent groups, school groups, community groups. Like, of course, they consulted people to say, what do you want? Mm -hmm. But there's also, you know, an idea that maybe our sex ed curriculum shouldn't be written by the masses of people. Because, of course, what ends up, that ends up doing is you completely, like, invisibilize minorities mm -hmm. and people with, you know, who are seen with different sexualities um, and all those sorts of stuff. So it can't just be a sex ed curriculum written by the people. Like, no. that doesn't make any sense. People go to education school to learn to be teachers and to learn how to write curriculums. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, and, and like to have experts in sexual health, in yeah. childhood development and all of those things, which the sex ed curriculum was based on. So are they going to do other curriculum by consultation, like a geography yeah. curriculum by consultation and just be like, <laughs> let's just teach them Toronto. Yeah. Like, there will be no Northern Ontario in this curriculum. Yeah. We just or we'll need do, to know, like, yeah. we'll do, we'll do consultation on the math curriculum. Yeah. And is it going to be, uh, it'll be like. No, it'll make no sense because nobody can do math anymore. Yeah, that's true. It's just, just going to be addition. That's it. <laughs> Ma addition and subtraction, but multiplication and division are gone. Absolutely. We don't need it. That's too hard. I don't like doing it. I just need it. to know how to calculate my, my taxes. Yeah. Yeah. And the machine does it for you. That's, that's what the math curriculum will be. It'll be use a calculator. Well, this goes further. So the debate, this totally fits into it because then Horvath, NDP leader Horvath asked, Will the Premier confirm that all the information about sexual orientation, gender identity, and LGBTQ families from the updated health curriculum will be taught in Ontario schools this coming September? Mm -hmm. uh, Doug Ford replied, quote, that's not up to us to decide in this chamber, it's up to the people. I know you don't believe in consulting with people, you don't believe in the nanny, you don't believe in the nanny state, or sorry, we don't believe in the nanny state, we don't believe in politicians dictating to people. Do your job. <laughs> Um, Nobody's asking Doug Ford to do the curriculum himself. You know, he's not an expert in any of these things. And so the Elementary Teachers Federation of Ontario president, Sam Hammond, uh, responded to all of this by saying, quote, those in the chamber in 2014-2015 didn't decide <laughs> what would be in the curriculum. Um, it was parents, teachers, educators, healthcare professionals, and some 70 healthcare organizations, universities, and the list goes on. So exactly, it's not it, it's not like Kathleen Wynne went in there with her lesbian agenda and said, "You must learn about lesbian families." Though, what's the problem with that? P.S. You know what I'm saying? Um, oh, there's I like this. The 1998 syllabus is 42 pages long. Um, it does not include any of those things that we said, and there is one mention of the World Wide Web, <laughs> and that's what it's called. So there you go. The World Wide Web. It's only mentioned once. Well, nobody even says World Wide Web anymore. Exactly. <laughs> like, to go to a sex education website, yeah. go to http <laughs> colon slash slash www 
And then students will be like, oh, that's what www means. That's why we put it there. Yeah. So they will be learning But nobody does that anymore. You don't have to type in www anymore. That's true. That's, it's over. So it is. Every part of that curriculum is useless. So um, the education uh, minister, Lisa Thompson, um, has avoided reporters on the issue for more than a week. Um, and uh, is now tasked with overseeing Ford's province-wide consultation on a new curriculum for 2019-2020. Keep in mind that you can't write a new curriculum in a year. You can't, you know, consult Mm. the province widely on any of these things. So um, I'm thinking the students of Ontario are going to be waiting a cool... uh, They'll probably get it out before the next election, I'd assume. But uh, maybe four years from now you can learn about, uh, you know all the gays and all the sexting. Uh, so there you go. Do you have a story for us? Yeah, I want to go back to entertainment and culture because <laughs> this is, political stuff is making me mad. Yeah. What do you, you got, uh, do you want to talk about this? Boy Erased. Yes, that's a new movie coming out. I don't know oh, anything okay. about it. All right, well, here, it's on Huffington Post. Mm-hmm. Boy Erased, the name of the movie. Mm-hmm. Promises a harrowing look at gay conversion therapy. Oh, it stars Nicole Kidman, Russell Crowe, Lucas Hedges, and it's already earning Oscar buzz, apparently. Mm. I love Nicole Kidman. Well, we can agree to disagree, JD. <gasps> Are you seriously? <laughs> Are you serious? She's fantastic. Ugh. So, oh, he, Lucas Hedges was a star of Lady Bird. Yeah, he was a gay character in Lady Bird. I, I saw Lady Bird. When was there a gay character in it? Oh, like her, her boyfriend. Her first boyfriend. Oh, spoiler alert. Yeah. Well, well you can tell by... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, Lucas Hedges in this movie is caught between his religious faith and his authentic self in Boy Race, a coming-of-age drama that follows a teen boy's experience at a gay conversion therapy camp. Sounds... Sounds good, sounds dark. I mean, there's been comedies about that. Remember, yeah. but, I'm a, but I'm a Cheerleader? That is like one of the best movies. That was, people should go rewatch. I love that movie. Yeah, so that's a, it's a camp classic. Yeah. Uh, but this is, I guess, going to be a darker take on it. Less yes. funny, more serious. Not uh, funny at all, I would argue. Um, I watched the preview. Oh. Yeah. And. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it goes into it, and obviously him struggling with his parents and his dad specifically. I kind of, and I don't, this isn't a spoiler because it's just what I interpreted from the trailer where I'm not usually good at interpreting movies. It seems like there might have been talk about, like, his dad being gay, too, and so there's that tension. Mm. I don't know, though. I'm just putting that You just read right into it. I read into it. According to the article, um, Gay conversion therapy is banned in at least 13 states and Washington, D.C. However, a report from January this year estimates 698,000 LGBTQ Americans between 18 and 59 have undergone conversion therapy. Wow, I had no idea it was that. That's like, oh, um, you're getting close to a million. a million. And there's probably people. some people who aren't uh, counted. Right, so, because if you went through it and successfully, you would quote unquote. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, you might not talk about it. Or yeah. if you went through it and you were traumatized by it, uh, you might not talk about it. Or you might not even be alive to uh, be counted, Absolutely. unfortunately. So, I'd, I mean, uh, reasonable to assume it's close to a million. 
Yeah. That's uh, it's due in theaters in November. So check that out if you uh, can stomach that. Uh, here's another uh, one you sent me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll talk about it since, yeah. since you don't use Grinder. No, it's your wheelhouse. Well, I don't use Grinder either. So, but I, I have. Well, you are. You I have know seen of it. The... I'm more aware of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is awesome. This is from Gay Star News. Gay man attempts to sue Grinder for allowing no Asians comments. So. A gay Asian man is attempting to launch a class action lawsuit against Grindr. Sinecone Kiyodara is the CEO of Asian Entertainment Television Inc. He wants to sue the Chinese-owned mm. company, because Grindr is owned by China. We learned that two weeks ago. Yeah, for racial discrimination. Kiyodara blasted the app for allowing users to post what he describes as humiliating and degrading comments about Asian men. In a tweet announcing his intention, Kiyodara says he wants to find other Asian men in each of the U.S.'s 50 states in order to launch a class action lawsuit. Anyone interested in joining the action must be a paid member of the app, not using the free service only. And he has a quote, which I can't read on the air, but he calls it BS. We'll, yeah. we'll, start, we'll paraphrase it that way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so if you're listening to this in the United States, yeah. and you... Uh, are a paid subscriber to Grinder. Look at joining his class action lawsuit. I mean, I have... It, it is, I think, getting better online. I can recall a time when, honestly, 50% of online profiles had some kind of racial statement on them. It was, it was close to 50. Wow. So people would either say, like, no Asians... Or they would, you know, go into some kind of description of, you know, here's a following race I don't find attractive. Right. And then, over time, you saw more and more people putting on their profiles. And I don't only speak about Canada. Maybe it's different in the States. In Canada, you would see more and more people putting on their profiles, don't contact me if you're racist, or no racist, or... If your profile says what races you're attracted to or unattracted to, then, you know, don't bother messaging me. That's gross. So you saw more and more of that. And, it's, and at the same time, there's been a rapid decrease in the number of racist profiles. In fact, I see them very seldom now. Right. But the fact that they still exist. Oh, yeah, they still and exist. The, and the, I, oh, yeah, I'm on the downplay that it's a, it's, a, it's a problem. It definitely is a problem that people feel comfortable um, putting something as flippant as uh, no Asians on a dating pro- uh, profile. At the same time, it's convenient for me to know that I don't want to talk to them. Yeah, I mean, that is, like, you want to, yeah, I mean, but you want to know I, yeah. immediately if the person you might be seeing is racist. But Absolutely. I'm not an Asian man, so I don't have to deal with the constant seeing that on people's profiles. So I can I, I can imagine it is better to not have racist profiles. I would, because once, they, once it's out there a lot, it becomes normalized, and people think that it's acceptable to say that kind of stuff. Well, and the thing it brings up, too, right, is, like, if that's not, like, Whatever. We're not going to debate whether it's a legitimate thing that you're attracted to different races. We don't, like, that's just ludicrous. So, but what is interesting and troubling about it is that it's not just a matter of, like, okay, then don't swipe on that person's profile or whatever. It's, like, you're saying it, and the only reason you're saying it is, like, that it has racist intent. 
Mm-hmm. Right? Like, there's no reason There's no reason for you to say, like, I won't date anyone who's over how, like, whatever, who's under five feet tall. Like, you just, you know, if you're not attracted to that person, you just don't contact them. So the reason, the putting it on the profile is just purely racist. It's not about you assuring, like, I don't know. I assume that's how those online things work. Like, just don't click on that person's profile. Like, yeah, you it's don't purely to, racist to put it on You there. don't need to put that out there. Yeah. I, I mean, and we, we could tie it. I mean, I'm sure there's like a huge history of why the Asian community specifically is is singled out in this way. Is like I, I assume there's in, other races it's, too. It's, it's rooted in well, it's rooted in stereotypes about how certain races act. Yeah, and like masculinity and all yeah. that sort of stuff, right? Yeah. Right. It's 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 race and age and body type. Yeah, so there's also, like, no fat. Is there that kind of stuff where it's, yeah. like, only muscular men? Oh, or... absolutely, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Taken from BBC News, transgender acid attack survivor running for parliament. So, forced to leave home when she was only 13, physically and sexually abused by relatives, and later attacked with acid by her former boyfriend, Nayab Ali's life as a transgender woman in Pakistan has been turbulent. That is the... To say the least. That is a subheading. That is, that is definitely yeah, an understatement. Uh, the university graduate uh, is one of four transgender candidates standing in Pakistan's general election next week. So, I mean, that's not even the headline. Mm-hmm. You could have a headline, Pakistan has four transgender candidates in their election. Yeah. Do we even have four transgender candidates in our elections? In the federal election, I, I don't remember. I don't... I think, I, don't there, I think there might have been, like, independent or green. There might have been one or two. Sure. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's significant. Uh, and then, the, yeah, the story talks about um, Nayab Ali's uh, difficult life, the uh, ordeals she's overcome uh, to be in this position to even run. Shining ridiculed by Pakistan's largely conservative society, the transgender community has long been a subject of widespread discrimination and struggled to access basic services such as education, employment, and healthcare. However, and the article talks a little bit about history, during the Mughal Empire, eunuchs served as singers, dancers, and even advisors in the royal courts. However, when the British colonized India, they vigorously sought to criminalize the transgender community, whom they considered to be deviants, and denied them basic civil rights. So I lo- the British Empire did all over the world. Yeah. yeah. So I like, I mean, I don't like, but I, I want to point out the irony when people say like, oh, you know, the, the Muslim world is so bad uh, for queer people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just remind them that um, a lot of that was learned through a British colonization from yeah. the West. Absolutely. Yeah. So, but interesting that historically trans people would have... Uh, had a much better life pre-colonization pre-colonization mm-hmm. and the same is true here right with two-spirit people mm-hmm. who are part of a lot of indigenous communities um that that was absolutely like 
uh, made illegal and regulated by colonial powers in, yeah. in Canada and the United States. But it's so much easier to just blame other societies. Yeah, and you made a good point. Like, they have four trans people running in their election, and how many have we had, like, known trans people? I Obviously, there are trans They're people who are not out as trans people, but, yeah. Yeah. And certainly not for a major political party. So we need to step it up and be more like Pakistan. There you go. Yeah. Um, so going back to the U.S., uh, there is um, a coalition of AIDS activists under the name HIV Power Shift um, who disrupted the entrance space at the 2018 International AIDS Conference in Amsterdam. And the reason they were there is because they've already started protesting the upcoming conference sent to take place in 2020 in San Francisco. Uh, the reason that they're protesting is because of what they say are safety concerns for many people who need to attend the conference, including sex workers, drug users, trans people, and, and more. The coalition of activists have called on the International AIDS Society, which hosts the conference, to change its host city. Uh, activists chanted, IAS, open your eyes, US meeting is unwise. Because you always have to rhyme your chants. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds better. It's okay. Um, <laughs> this was chanted before individual speakers took to a megaphone to express their frustration with the IAS's decision. Um, the executive director of uh, one group said, quote, the hostile political context in the U.S. will make it nearly impossible for sex workers, people who use drugs, people from Muslim countries, and anyone with a criminal record, including LGBT people and LGBT human rights defenders, to enter the country and feel safe and participate in the conference. They also pointed out the fi financial pitfalls of holding a conference in San Francisco, which is increasingly um, becoming gentrified and completely out of uh, reached many people who had formerly lived in the city. Mm -hmm. Dazen Dixon Diallo, founder and CEO of Sister Love, stressed the negative messaging of holding the conference in San Francisco would hold when the heart of the U.S.'s HIV AIDS epidemic is now currently in the Deep South. Uh, they explained, quote, when we go to a place that is starting to celebrate the end of the epidemic, such as San Francisco, it will then be extended to all of the rest of us that the epidemic is over. It's not the time to celebrate anyone's end until it's everyone's end, uh, they said. So that's really interesting also. Uh, they pointed out in the following, that the follow, following the International AIDS Conference uh, in San Francisco, it will be the whitest conference in history due to the various political and socioeconomic barriers keeping people of color from attending. The United States previously hosted the International AIDS Conference in 2012 in Washington, D.C. to celebrate Obama's lifting of the HIV travel ban. However, sex workers were unable to attend as people who are known, um, as, people who are known as sex workers are often denied entry in the United States. They held an alternate conference in uh, Calcutta emphasizing the need to decriminalize sex work as a tenant of both the sex worker and HIV movements. Um, so there you go. It's really interesting um, uh, because I think it seems counterintuitive to a lot of people that San Francisco would not be the place to hold an HIV AIDS conference given that it was one of the epicenters of the crisis Absolutely. in the 1980s. But that does show how much San Francisco itself has changed and it's no longer um, the refuge for people in the LGBT community, the sex worker community yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Uh, it's just completely yeah. unaffordable and it's very expensive yeah i went to a queer convention there and it was 
and then the next year they moved to somewhere more affordable because mm-hmm. I think it's such a barrier to go there. Absolutely. And like to say that, like, I mean, it's a huge point too to say that, like, you know, uh, the HIV AIDS crisis is um, being hugely felt in the deep United, like the deep South of the United States mm-hmm. um, and presenting San Francisco would be a false image of what's happening. Yeah. Currently. Yeah. All right, so that's our last story. Yeah, and okay. we just have time for one event to talk about. It's in a couple of weeks, but um, the folks who are putting it on uh, are super cool, so we wanted to give them some extra shout-outs over the next couple of weeks. Um, Ponytails and Horseshoes will be hosting another gender-free haircut club. Um, this is supported by the Dress Code Project on Sunday, August 19th from 4 to 8 p.m. So the stylist from Ponytails and uh Horseshoes, I think I called them ponytails and haircuts, will be volunteering four hours of their day to provide free haircuts and hair advice to marginalized youth who identify as LGBTQ. Um, they will be first come, first serve. Um, they do ask everyone to register in advance by emailing reception at poho, P-O-H-O dot C-A, so that they can get a sense of how many folks will be attending. Um, if you know any queer youth in Edmonton, make sure to spread the word. And this event is about giving back to queer youth um, and giving them some top-notch service and haircuts that fit their gender presentation without the misunderstandings or judgment that comes from uh, hairdo experiences at places unfamiliar with queer identities. So again, um, that is happening at Ponytails and Horseshoes, uh, which is on 109th Street by White Avenue, Sunday, August 19th. So spread the word. Cool. Yeah, so that's all your queer news for this week. And we will be live next week? Yeah, we will be. <laughs> yeah, so you can phone in next week with your questions. Yes, uh, up next is Prairie Pickin'. Before that's maybe the BBC. We'll see how things work out. <laughs> uh, check you later. Bye.